Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, next on uh, the programme, just last week, a 14 year old girl suffered a life threatening allergic reaction when a man on her British Airways flight wouldn't stop eating his peanuts. In Ireland, over 40,000 people have a severe nut allergy, but the medical care to treat this condition is seriously under-resourced. We're going to find out about how seriously under-resourced it is uh, in a moment. But here to tell us a little bit more about this is Lisa Nolan, whose 12-year-old daughter, Hallie, lives with severe food allergies. Uh, We're also going to be talking to Professor Jonathan Horahan a little bit later on, who's the head of the Department of Paediatrics in uh, Temple Street. But firstly, uh, Lisa, let me find out a little bit more about Hallie and tell me what she has been living with since she was a baby. So it started with um, eczema. When she was about six weeks old, the eczema got really bad and that she was bleeding from head to toe. So kind of from there on in, like, it all kind of started from there. And then we ended up going to specialists, lung specialists and things like that because she had asthma, she had eczema. She had everything that was shown, signs of severe allergies. And um, then eventually she was tested and... Um, it showed that she had severe nut allergies as well. But, like, it took us a long time to get to there um, to know what it actually was. But she... Um, they gave her uh, an, anapens. I don't know, was she about a year, year and a half when they, when they prescribed them? And then when she was two, she went into anaphylactic shock from hazelnut. And is it just a severe nut allergy or is she many allergies? Oh, she's allergic to um, all nuts, eggs, sesame seeds, grass, pollen, dust, and all animals. My God, that's a lot. Yeah. How so does how does a ten year old child because she's ten now? No, how does how does it? Te- oh, she's thirteen. Sorry. How yeah. how how does a child of that age um, live a normal life? Um. Well, it's not normal. It's like. For her, it, it might feel normal, but now she she started secondary school and she is finding a big difference in it. Like, um, it's a lot harder to manage than what it would have been, say, she was in a no-free school, a primary school, but secondary school is very hard to do that. And um, so the transition, she's finding very hard. Like, she's, off, she's just finished first year now, but um, the school have been absolutely fantastic, but... Like, she has had different, you know, incidents where, like, she was in the room with them and things. And, and like, she just has to come home or walk out because it's too dangerous. And you've seen firsthand how dangerous it can be because, as you said, uh, she went into anaphylactic shock. And and for people who don't realise the seriousness of anaphylactic shock, uh, all we have to do is think back... Um, nine years ago when uh, that young girl Emma Sloan uh, died on O'Connell Street uh, because they couldn't get access to uh, an EpiPen to to save her. So that's how serious this is. This is, uh, like, I think people people really don't understand the seriousness of it. Like, my child was very close to death in my arms when she went into anaphylactic shock. 
she was very close to it. Like, she was lifeless in my arms. Um, I've seen, like, a few... Um, oh, like, it's just, it's very hard to live with, like, for, for the child and for the parent, because I'm trying to protect her, but I'm trying to give her as much of a normal life as possible. But realistically, you know, like, I've had conversations with people, well, what do you do then in a situation if you go out and eat? Well, unless that's safe, we won't be there. That has to be uh, a, a terrifying experience. And uh, how did that actually happen? That was inadvertently consuming something, was it? Yeah, she um, she was only two. Um, and I called my sister's house to check on her and um, le- left her down to go around the sitting room. And she, I turned around like two seconds later and her mouth, she was chewing something. And I was like, what's that? And it was a Milka bar of chocolate, which has hazelnuts in it. So literally, I don't know how much she got, but within seconds, um, she went into shock. And only for Diana Penn, she would have been dead. Stay with me for one second, uh, Lisa, if you can. I'll come back to you in just a moment because I'm joined uh, on the other line by Professor uh, Jonathan Hurahan, who is the head of the Department of Paediatrics at Temple Street. Um, Jonathan, good afternoon and welcome to uh, Lunchtime Live. I was shocked to read that in a country like Finland, which is about the same size population-wise as Ireland, there are 100 paediatric allergists. Here in Ireland, we've only two. That's some difference. Well, in fact, we have three now. There's another one in Cork. and uh, In fact, four. There's another one in Crumlin in the last year. But it's still... For a country the same size, the, def- the deficit isn't going to be uh, eliminated by p- appointing one person no. at a time, obviously. We have a huge way to go. Finland has a very mature program of, of allergy prevention in place to try and uh, have people have normal diets, normal activities, etc., healthy diets, outdoor exercise, etc., which are all parts of the way that we could hope to we could decrease the rates of onset of allergic disease and then be able to look after the people who have them as well. And is the onset something that is preventable? Well, uh, allergy is a a disease of the Western lifestyle with uh, decreased dietary diversity, eating uh, prepared foods rather than fermented foods, uh, lots of antibiotic use, having, as, as you've just heard, there's a strong association with eczema and stuff and other conditions. So, there's a portfolio of things that as a community we could do slowly and gradually to try and decrease allergies. But at the present time in Ireland, people with allergies haven't got anywhere really to go unless they're postcode lucky, I guess. So uh, l- let me find out then the, what that actually means in practical terms. If there are so few people like yourself doing what you mm-hmm. uh, do, mm-hmm. I read uh, somewhere where you had said if you spent your entire career uh, dealing with a person every half hour, you wouldn't get through them in your lifetime. That's correct. Now, that's shocking to hear. So what does that actually mean for people living with severe allergies that they just aren't getting the help? Uh, as you've just heard, aller- allergic reactions are distressing and um, there's great fear about those. Uh, but the most people with allergies are not having allergic reactions every day, but they have to be ready for that every day. So they're living on edge. They're anxious. They have to plan ahead. It's hard to be a spontaneous family who just might go out for an ice cream or a walk uh, without bringing your pens and deciding where you might go and have you got enough food with you through the allergic child. 
So it's pervasively interfering with normal family life. Uh, and then you've got the decision about whether you uh, take an antihistamine or use your anapens or epipens or whatever it is you have and whether you need to go to hospital or not. So parents have an extra onus on them to make dynamic decisions about life, simple life events that other families may not appreciate fully. Is it true that by 2025, half the European population will suffer from chronic allergic disease? And that's the estimate from the European Allergy Academy that uh, the rates of allergic diseases of any kind is now about 35%. So it's 10 times more common than uh, diabetes or epilepsy or Parkinson's disease. But it's a slow burn. You've got to realize that most people with allergic diseases are well most of the time. It's a catastrophe and it's an unanticipated disaster that's the problem. But allergies also affect asthma, hay fever, school performance, work performance, the costs to the European Union for uh, allergic disease by missed, missed work and missed school is about 140 billion euros a year. So it's, it's a massive low-grade inhibitor of normal function, both for adults and children. And let me finally ask you, uh, Jonathan, how would a parent know that their child has uh, allergies, particularly a severe allergy like a, a nut allergy? How would you spot it early on? Well, what we don't want is people getting testing to see if they have an allergy before they've had an allergic reaction. Mm. Allergy affects about 2 to 3 to 4% of children. So 96% of children do not have allergies. And we want people to have a normal diet, introduce normal foods, including egg, peanut, fish, milk, etc., at the normal times. And the cases that arise will then be dealt with. We do not advocate getting checked before you introduce foods. So we really have to wait until the allergy is there. But the things that we want them to do are early introduction of these foods because that appears to be preventive in, uh, at a population level to stop a population becoming allergic to it. So say, for Avoiding example... the delay uh, of introduction of these foods is, is probably more harmful. Okay, so say, for example, um, a severe pe- peanut allergy. Are you suggesting that parents introduce peanuts in some form early in a child's life? That's HSE and European policy, that peanut is introduced into the diet of children as soon as they are weaned at six months. It's just that's not very well known in Ireland yet. No, I've never heard that myself, to be quite honest. Um, There you go. Right, okay, so we've learned something today. And that way, then, uh, parents will uh, either make uh, their child immune to any sort of peanut allergy or uh, find out. Would they find out that early if the child had an allergy? Yes, uh, well, about 1% of children will respond to that dose of uh, peanuts, so 99% won't. And only 5% of the people who respond to that dose in any way will have anything more than a minor reaction. So it's a very safe procedure and doesn't need medical supervision. We want people to eat the food rather than avoid the food, and that goes for all the allergic foods, not just peanuts. Uh, Professor Jonathan Horahan, Head of Department of Paediatrics at uh, Temple Street, thanks very much indeed for uh, talking to us there. I've just learned something which I never knew. Now, Lisa, let me just uh, go back to you for one second. Your daughter is a teenager now. You're saying that uh, secondary school is a lot more difficult to to deal with with the allergies and so on. Is it stressful for her? I I imagine there has to be a degree of stress that comes with living with these uh, allergies. Yeah, it's very stressful and it causes a lot of anxiety. And with allergies, a lot of people, like to look at Hallie, 
not allergies alone. She has asthma, she's eczema, she's hay fever, she's the whole family. And to look at Hallie, you'd think that she was just a normal child. like So no one ever thinks, you know, that there would be anything seriously wrong with her. But she goes through an awful lot, like, as a, like she has from a young age, like, and now thank God, like, she takes, she's with this specialist in Crumlin who has been absolutely amazing with us. And, um, they have changed her life around with, um, you know, she's out with the daily medication and she's just finished um, a, a three-year immunology, I can't even think of what the name of it is, but it's like immunology towards grass. Mm. So she took a tablet for three years every morning under her tongue for five minutes and you can't swallow for five minutes and you can't eat or drink for 15 minutes. Now, she only finished that in January, so... This summer will tell a lot of that, but um. And have you have you even noticed anything yet? Because we're kind of in um, hay fever pollen season. Yeah, she she has been a lot better in herself. Like even last year made some difference, but at the start of this year we're having some issues that we don't know is it birch pollen rather than grass pollen that's causing it. But we are waiting on, but we're waiting nearly ten weeks now on results because the special allergy bloods have to go to England and um, it, it's taken a lot longer now with COVID and everything. Normally it's around six weeks but we're waiting to see what's causing the problems that she's having now because um, the specialist thought maybe birch pollen instead of grass instead pollen. Instead of grass because, pollen, yeah. 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 All right, but look, I, I, I wish you well, uh, Lisa and, and Hallie as she goes through her uh, teenage years and hopefully... Uh, the allergies that she lives with become more livable with, if you if you know what I mean. And thank you very much indeed for talking to us on News Talk. No problem. Thanks a million. All right, now there you go. I uh, definitely learned something out of that uh, item that uh, parents should introduce their children to peanuts at a very young age of about six months. And that way you make them either immune to a peanut allergy or you discover it uh, early on. Interesting. <laughs> Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.